When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the southernmost point of door into the lands of always winter, what is west of west and the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk, a holiday weekend here in the States celebrating this Thanksgiving weekend, this shopping weekend, of which I do not participate. 17 years in the public safety shopping center business. I do not. I stay home now that I can. No more 31-hour work days on Black Friday ruining my holidays. You can go shop. I'm not judging you. But I'm here to celebrate Game of Thrones with you this holiday weekend. We got a call coming up in the second half of the show. Uh, it's a call to a call about a call. This is what I love doing here at Castle Talk. We, we get a conversation going, a big what if, a big thought starter, and we go on from there. I always like to check in with Game of Thrones news. There's something slipping under the radar. And, well, we got some information coming out about the DVD blue. Are there, are there still DVDs? Blu-ray commentary. I don't know. When's when's the Game of Thrones only streaming channel coming? The the World of Ice and Fire channel. I want that. There are uh, the uh, commentaries are coming and people are starting to uh, get a hold of them. Most of the uh, press and uh, you got headlines like eight revelations from the Game of Thrones series finale DVD commentary. Watch a Game of Thrones season eight deleted scene. That's all over the internet, and I uh, have not really watched yet. There are some reveals that I uh, I did click on. One of them was this big reveal. Big reveal! Whether Drogon ate Daenerys. <laughs> I love this idea of Drogon as like one of those cats that will eat you after like 32 hours if you're dead on the floor in your house. And the cat's like, all right, well, no more Perina for me. Uh, Perina Chow now becomes owner Chow. Uh, I love that idea. That Drogon would do that. Well, Mom's dead. Gotta go uh, grill her on a on an open fire. No, no, it wasn't. Uh, wasn't something I thought happened. I love that moment at the end of season eight. I love it. I, I'm not saying I love Danny's death. I, I I do in the story. Actually, I you know if you've been following me for a while, I've been banging that drum for a while that Danny was going to die. That it just uh, it made sense. But uh, the the ending, I, I, I just, I, Drogon killed me. You know, Drogon killed me. I'm, a, I'm just an animal lover. I'm a pet lover. Drogon's a, he's not a pet. He's a kid, child. Daenerys will let you know, but it's a pet. I don't know if I'd want a dragon as a pet. I've had ferrets. Those are it's about as exotic as I go. Anyways, it broke my heart. It broke my heart in the best of ways because I think it's okay that shows and movies and books break your heart every now and then. I think it's okay 
that it isn't like Burger King, have it your way. I think it is okay when something happens to a character and they make a mistake and they have to either learn from it or suffer the consequences and you as an audience are left with a hole in your heart. That's part of the experience of this. Uh, And Danny's death is part of that. It's a big one for me. And uh, Drogon taking up, I just assumed she was heading home. Heading home, Valantis, Valeria, the Doom, anything over there. I just love in Fire and Blood where Valeria uh, in the back, Black Dread, the, the last living creature connected to Valeria before the Doom, takes one of them Tar- Targaryens. There's like oodles of them. They're all named the same. Takes her, rides off, disappears disappears comes back things ain't good it's mysterious kind of creepy damage to both and uh it's uh, one of the mysteries in uh, fire and blood will it uh, pop up in house of uh, house of the dragon maybe maybe we'll, we'll dive into that stuff later on but that that to me just is one of those things that just makes sense drogon heading home instinctually you know here's my question here's a little what if though the show and I, 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 you knew they weren't going to do this. I just don't think they could. This is something I am looking forward to the books dealing with. The show kind of keeps it all. It's Westeros-centric. Once Danny leaves Westeros, breaks up, you know, with Dario, that's it. We don't get a lot of Vassos. And I wanted it. I, I, I didn't think in the, in, in the pit of my heart I did not think season seven, or especially going into season eight, that we'd pop over there and Essos uh, was dealing with uh, the Night King coming down. Uh, there was those ideas. We talked about it even here in Castle Talk. Like, all right, what if the, the ocean freezes? And we'll walk over and take on, take on Bravos. Uh, I, I do like that idea of a, of a worldwide event, a planetose-wide event dealing with the Night King. Instead, in the show, right now, at least in the show, just... Uh, kept to Westeros, uh, mostly Winterfell, quite frankly, in the north. Um, but I do love uh, the idea that that world is fully functional. Essos, all the cities we love, all the free cities we love spending some time. Dario's getting his uh, newspaper, his Westeros today. Getting, he gets it imported over there at Essos. Probably got like three wives and two girlfriends. And he's like, oh, what's going oh. Looks like my ex-girlfriend uh, tried to take over the world. And then the idea that the dragon, Drogon, would be flying back over there. And that some people would see it. It'd be kind of freaky. I mean, I think they're more used to the dragons over there. I'm not saying it suddenly freaks everyone out, but just the story continues, right? The story goes on. Brand the Broken hears tales of the dragon flying east. Not everything needs to be answered in the show. Some things are left uh, to the mind for you to wonder and uh, wander through the possibilities. And I, I think there's something poetic about that. That uh, Daenerys, the blood of old Valeria, she would return home. Sweet, right? Sad. That's okay. Holiday weekend uh, for us here in the States. So, you know, gratitude. It's, you're supposed to show some gratitude while you're stamping over people to get to a 55-inch TV on sale for 10 bucks. You know, you're supposed to. 
And, uh, you know, I was going to try to look back on Game of Thrones and really focus on the ideas, uh, the characters, and the moments that I was thankful for. Specific moments. And I might one day do that. I might write about those moments, the moments that really broke us, uh, taught us, and learned us. And I just overall want to say how thankful I am for this show and this journey. One of the things I do want to do here on Casterly Talk when we get a little bit more back up in full swing, and and, and I think uh, people have had a little time, and then maybe they've done a rewatch of season eight and all those things. Uh, uh, maybe the Blu-rays being released will inspire that. Um, I am interested in sitting with folks. I've hinted at this before, but sitting folks are just talking about the journey of Game of Thrones and the lessons and all the things, blah, blah, blah. But I just the journey. I'm more thankful for that than anything for this show and the story. Let's focus on the show. I, I am thankful that my expectations of what this might be were changed from the beginning. I had vague ideas. I couldn't tell you high fantasy, low fantasy, whatever. I didn't know. Looked like Lord of Rings on HBO. That's what I was expecting. I mean, essentially, it's kind of of the same, you know, right? But at least that's what they're hoping in Amazon Prime with their new Lord of the Rings show. But uh, my expectations were changed within 30 seconds. Not just changed, they were shattered in the first 30 seconds, minute of of the show. There's something about when Will and, uh, uh, you know, Rainbow Royce and, uh, and, and Garrett, when they, when they came upon the, the wildlings slaughtered in, in a shape, I, I wasn't expecting it. Little girl, zombie kid, wasn't expecting it. And I was pulled in because I was scared. I was scared. And then from there... I remember watching the pilot going, all right, I'm like, I'm, I'm finished on being, right? Who isn't a finish on being? So I, I'm pulled in, you know, I'm, I'm getting it. I'm getting it and getting involved. Boo Lannisters. I like that Robert Baratheon cat. He seems pretty cool. Right? I'm being pulled in. But then, then the brand being pushed at the end, that's the big, like, what? WTF, we're into the show. Uh, but I'm just thankful for that first pilot episode. I'm thankful that HBO gave them the chance to do it again. Because I remember the whole time kind of being like, whoa, 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 whoa. What about the, what about the blue-eyed monsters? That we, anyone concerned about that? Eight years later, not everyone was. Now, again, the question of, does, do they pay that beginning off? I think they do. The Night King, to me, represents a source of evil that just wants to watch the world, well, I was going to say burn, but freeze. And that's okay. All the little clues along the way don't necessarily lead to what we think, and that's okay. We're left to wonder. But I'm thankful for the journey the show started with that first episode. And then from there, I am thankful for all the collection of complicated characters. And that the show handled it so well, particularly right there in the juicy middle. And it's a juicy middle. Absolutely juicy middle. Does seven and eight fall off a little bit? Sure, hey, whatever. Season one and two do not have the budget to compete with some of the bigger stuff later? Sure, yeah, whatever. But this is how stories go. And in the middle, we're all... And the show continued to just introduce 
characters and introduce introduce facet facets of characters that I I didn't just uh, have my mind blown, my expectations blown, but I think like a lot of you, I learned so much from the journeys here and everything I thought and and who to trust, the idea of who to trust. I trusted, like, George, I trusted George. George's my guy. But it's so easy, I, I, I overlooked things I knew he was doing. When he, I'll have the guy, I'll have the boys butcher her a goat. I've got a ride. And he, you know he's spying on Danny, but you forget that. This is so earnest. I love the, I, the, the flip, the, the, when you become so... Connected to Jor, and, and, and uh, jokes aside about me and my own personal life and, and my 20s, basically, being a Sir Jor. Um, but you, you, you like, you, Ian Glenn's so great, he pulls you in, you, you, you feel safe with him, just like Daenerys. And and when he starts talking bad about Ned Stark, but not necessarily talking like, yeah, guys, or like, no, Ned, tre- Ned did what he's supposed to do. That's, I am so thankful for those kind of things, where it turned my thoughts on certain characters on its head. And I just was able to sit back and just take it all in, right? Just when you started rooting against somebody, you found a reason to root for them. Just when you were rooting for them completely. Robert Baratheon, man. God, I love Baratheon. I love Robert Baratheon. But then he's not being reasonable with with, with Sansa, the, the killing of Lady... You start hearing all the things that you can't escape, the, the hard truths about him being a a drunken, whoring fool and not a good king. But you're like, nah, I'm supposed to. These stories tell me to appreciate the king, right? Aragorn, he's great. But as George R. R. Martin always says, well, Tolkien never wrote and had to write about Aragorn's tax policies. And not every not every story needs that, but... I love that George decided to because it gave us this in the show. Each year, I'd have a list of predictions. And each year, they got more and more bad. And I swung and missed so many times on my predictions because it wasn't about the things. It wasn't the checklist of story elements. It was these journeys. I, I always focus on Stannis, and I get a, I get teased a lot in my love of Stannis. It's because he starts from this place of well, just a, a righteous position. That is his throne. Every law in the land points to him. Except for the fact that Robert didn't care about the laws of the land. He just took it. So that starts to unfold a little bit. Renly probably would have been a nicer king. I always thought maybe Renly could have been king. Stannis the hand of the king. Could that have been a good team? I don't know. I don't know. And then it starts to unfold, and you guys have heard me talk about it so much, I, I just don't want to belabor the point, but my love of Stannis Baratheon also turned into a great lesson, and we're going to come to Stannis in the second half of the show here. So I'm thankful for those kind of things. I'm thankful the show did give us the moments to to slow down and appreciate things. And I, I think they absolutely do it in 7 and 8. Not as much. Oh, yeah, 7 and 8 are, are fast-paced, man. Fast pace, we're moving along. You could use the word rush. I just say they were getting to where they needed to go because they had to. But there are a lot of moments. The the going north and everyone chit chatting. The all star team 
the snow team six heading beyond the wall. There's some great moments there. Jorah and, and, and Samuel Tarley, they connect. They, they don't have a lot of time to connect. But when Samuel Tarley stands before Jorah and evokes the name of his father, Gior Mormon, who kept him alive, Tarley, I forbid you to die. To have that moment pay back, I mean, that's beautiful. Beautiful stuff to me. The journey of, of Tyrion, the journey of John. I'm grateful and thankful for all of those stories. The underdogs, the underrepresented, the ones who did not have a chance. Brienne of Tarth. If you don't like season eight, fine. But I think you could toss all of it and say it was worth it just to see Brienne knighted. This is a powerful moment is any in the show and I'm thankful that they took us on those journeys were able to craft them with skill and at times as best they could so as we start to really really look to the horizon in a new show um, in a new uh, you know book suit hey I haven't clicked on it there's a headline going around at the end of the books spoiled I think it's in a commentary by uh, Dan and Dave. It's a question mark still. Um, maybe. I don't know. George R. R. Martin, quote, planned ending for GOD, GOT books is revealed. Benioff and Weiss may have let it slip up. Maybe. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't want to f- put fuel in this fire. But maybe. Maybe. Just maybe. Um, Benioff and Weiss were like, all right, nuts to George always just secretly submarining us with his blogs and snarky comments that people take too seriously or read into. We're going to let his book slip, ending slip. I don't know. I haven't clicked on the article because I don't want to know. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I have a few, we all have a few years to get to. So I don't know. We're going to take a quick break. On the other end, we're going to talk uh, Daenerys Targaryen outfits. Why? I don't know because I just saw this story and I'm flying by the seat of my pants today and I want to read it and we're going to talk Daenerys's outfits it's 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 a discussion point and then take a call from eric monroe in response to billy in response to mark and we are going to talk more stannis yes but also continue our conversation about what if gendry if you'd gone to the wall instead of south to hide out this is casterly talk i'm ken knapsack it's the holidays sip some eggnog stick around we'll be right back here on casterly talk Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. And we're back here on Casually Talk. I'm Ken Napsunk. Where's Andres Cabrera? Where's Lon Harris? Where's uh, Rachel Cushing? Uh, you can, they're part of the show. Don't forget. I hold down the fort. I am I am Stannis being asked to, to hold down Storm's End. Um, but it's a busy time. And to get four people all together in L.A. on a regular basis to record podcasts, especially when I have a home studio, not always the easiest thing. But uh, their voices are missed here. And I will acknowledge that. And over the next... You know, a couple weeks, but also especially in the new year, getting back uh, working with them. Maybe you can get some phone calls in and uh, celebrating Game of Thrones with them as well. Just want to acknowledge that. Never do it without them long term. For the most part, though, during this stretch of time, it's going to be you and me and your calls before we do that, though. So, like I said, I just type up. Uh, I just I type up. Uh, Game of Thrones news, just to see if I've missed anything. Trying to avoid spoilers. A lot of things about the uh, DVDs and the Blu-rays. But uh, this uh, on Screen Rant. I normally don't click on Screen Rant, by the way. I don't like what they do. I don't like the way they uh, deal with Star Wars. That's That's a different conversation. But author Kiki Evans posted this list of Daenerys' 10 best outfits in the show. So you know what? I thought, I'm game. I think a queen is much more than her outfits. I think Daenerys is much more than her outfits, yes. However, you can't deny, wow, every year, Daenerys Targaryen, they created such great looks. Amelia Clark really pulls it off so well. She's so great. You, you, you follow her on Instagram? She's a great follow because it just, she's just you got that presence where you just like, I bet she's dealt with a lot of stuff in her life. Those medical things that came out that we didn't really know about during the filming of the show. She's uh, taken on, uh, you know, some big roles with the pressure of the world on her. It includes uh, Kira and Solo and, you know, Sarah Connor and Terminator. And she still just has that smile. When she smiles, you're just, you can't help but smile. Follow her on Instagram. Just a good, uh, seems like a good person there. I was at the solo premiere and she was there and they didn't have the VIP section locked off like they, they do in a lot of the after party events. So we're milling about. And I got to tell you, I, you know, I don't know if this sounds like I'm stocking. It wasn't. I was, I was actually trying to get tri-tip because <laughs> Lords Kasdan was going in for seconds on tri-tip and I was trying to beat him. Uh, but she was there surrounded by a lot of people. I passed by maybe within a foot and a half of the queen. And, uh, you know, it, you feel it. It's like being in Bob Iger's presence. He's Bob Iger, and you're aware of it. And she just she just has this great energy about her. So I think I think it's a I think it's a good thing to look at her outfits. I, I don't know if I'd rank them, but I wanted to go through this list and be like, yep, we got it. Queen is more than her outfits, but it's a key part to Daenerys Targaryen for the cosplayers of the world. There are so many choices, and the costume designers and everyone behind the scenes put so much work into all the uh, outfits, but especially Daenerys Targaryen. They just have a lot of fun, and I think that is part of uh, the show's legacy is is a lot of the looks. 
And yeah, I grew up a Star Wars fan. I mean, you know, y'all know I am, but like when you grow up a Star Wars fan with Leia, and it's fortunate the you know there's not a lot of female characters to to choose from in Star Wars during that time. But you had Leia, and Leia had, and all the characters did. But Leia had different looks and because it, it translated into different Kenner action figures. And, and I wrote about this and why we love Star Wars. But it's like that's you you all had your favorite Leias, you know. Like I love Hoth Leia. Um, you might like uh, you know steel bikini Leia, obviously a big big <laughs> big one in the eighties and still. Um, but you might like Bespin Leia. You might classic Leia. Endor po- combat poncho Leia well, it was my favorite action figure from the Kenner line. It's just a great figure, you know. But you just not to, you didn't, you're not boiling down Princess Leia Organa to to outfits, but it just had to, because you had the figures, it just kind of became uh, the thing became the way you, you do it um padme uh in, in the prequels same thing i will say you know i will say ray one of my favorite characters in star wars sequel trilogy yeah, it, not a lot of change she's different variations of her outfit but uh, she's a she's a character of, of constant action i don't think she has time to you know i don't think we, we i don't think we need yet to see ball gown dress ray uh, maybe in a book or comic down the line, it's a different tale. It's a different story, um, but I think it's a, it's an interesting byproduct there. And you know, I got my Hans too. I like I like I like uh, Empire Han. I like Jacket Han over Vest Han, and Combat Trench Coat Han, pretty underrated. And Old Man Han. Anyways, uh, Luke's got his looks. They all got his looks. All got their looks. Anyways, I, I digress. Let's look at this. I'm just going to read these outfits, um, read this list, and we'll go through and we'll see. And then maybe, you know, you guys can call in and tell me your favorite look of our queen, Daenerys Targaryen. They start with number 10, the Doth Raki outfit. Again, this is uh, author Kiki, writer Kiki Evans with, their, with the list. So full credit there. So this is a classic one. Uh, this is one I think I've seen cosplayed the most with some dragons attached to shoulders. Uh, it's simple. It serves its purpose. Um, and it's interesting to look at it now. They, you know, the picture, this is basically season one, Danny. And, uh, you know, they, uh, Kiki Evans writes about it, her worldview, her personality, everything changed dramatically from, from this early version. Um, it, it fits in, uh, it fits in obviously with the Dothraki horde, the style of the Dothraki. Um, probably helps with the weather. It's uh, dirty and messy. Your hair's getting matted, and it stands out. I when it's funny when you think for for seasons and seasons. When I thought of Daenerys Targaryen, I just assumed it was this outfit, even though I know it was not. Um, even later years, and uh, as the character grows up and changes and evolves, and Amelia Clark grows up and it changes and evolves, like uh, in my head sometimes I still see Dothraki outfit dandy. So it's a good pick, bone number 10. Um, then they go number nine, dragon scale dress. All right. So by the time she gets to Karth, uh, you know, the greatest city that ever was or ever will be, um, she. She has to, you know, she gets a chance. I'm just saying forced to. That's not the right. She gets a chance to kind of clean up, settle in, and she uh, gets some nice, uh, nice, nice threads because people are trying to woo her, and she gets to enjoy the comforts of Karth for a while. So good for her. Uh, they have the, um, they have uh, uh, this dragon scale dress is probably. I'll just it's probably what I describe the most 
revealing uh, dress for Daenerys. Uh, we got some uh, midriff action there, belly button showing, uh, uh, very sparse. This is, uh, this is a good look. Not going to lie, but at least practical for a queen that would be a conqueror. But it, it's on the list here. And, and hey, winning Karth, have fun. Knock yourself out. All right? It's like going to Vegas to me. I love going to Vegas. I love going to Vegas for just a lot of fun to have out there. But I also love going to Vegas to people watch. And one of my favorite things to do is to sit down at a bar. Say, I don't know. There's, there's one in the middle of Caesar's Palace. I sit down, get a drink, listen to the sounds. But I'm more, I just love watching people dressing like, hell, we're in Vegas. Men, women alike, doesn't matter. Just short little dresses, uh, guys all dressed to the nines, club shirts, club wear, heels higher than you normally, all because why? Well, we're in Vegas. Seems like Daenerys got to Karth and was like, I'm in Karth. Pull out. The belly button dress. So that's number nine on the list. I like that one. I, I don't remember it that much. Number eight. They jump ahead. They jump ahead to the, what she calls the red black dress. This is, I think this is Starbucks cup, Danny, right? It's around that time. I like this one. I like this one. It's very Star Wars like, actually. It's got some Padme and some Bespin Lay in it. And also, as pointed out by Kiki Evans, this dress, the red and black, is one of the only ones that really directly reflects the Targaryen colors. I think, I think there's something to be said for that. It's not a high... I wouldn't put this high in my... I don't know if this would make the list, but I like it. Simple. All right, number seven, she's got Dragonstone Queen. All right, now we're talking. By the way, you can tell I am... No disrespect to late great Joan Rivers. I am not a e-fashion expert, okay? You're probably getting a kick out of me just trying to describe dresses. All right, it is what it is, okay? I can describe Stannis's scowls 10 ways from Sunday. Dragonstone Queen, this is this is a great one. This is to me very I guess there's a it's very similar. I'm not convinced it's not the same. Well, uh oh yeah, it's a little different. There's one later on the list that's so similar, uh but she got the same like she got the chain with the three dragon head kind of thing connected, and that's different. Um, it's a pretty dark one. Uh, this is most of the time that she's on uh, Dragonstone. It is uh, dark, much like the island itself, depressing. And what hey, that's what you're supposed to do with costumes, right? You're supposed to kind of catch the mood here. Um, it's simple, man. Simple. Um, and in, the, in its simplicity, the high neck... And again, you almost got some shoulder pads like she's a businesswoman in the 80s there. Um, this is an understated but important look for Daenerys. I like this one, the Dragonstone Queen. I hope you guys are following along. Ah, then we go back to Karth. Here we are again. We're in Karth. And this is the light blue Karth dress. Um, this is the one when she meets Piet Pri. Uh, this picture they got here, I love it because this is when Jorah wears the blue ascot under the uh, yellow. He lo- Jorah looks very nice. He gets very, that outfit gets very dirtied up, bloodied up a little bit later on. But I, I like seeing Jorah in his prime here. Season two Jorah. Underrated. Um, 
But uh, we got Piat Pri in this uh, here, inviting her to go to the house of the Undying, talking about uh, you know trinkets and baubles. Uh, come, come, can actually hang out with us. I like this dress. This is a good transition for Dana- uh, Daenerys. It's bright, the blue. Uh, it's got some gold, and it just—it's very flowy. It's very again, we're in when in Karth, dress like Karth. Um, it's a good transition. Arms still exposed, you know, a lot of season one, you get Danny in her arms. And uh, this one, so it's so it's like a transition period. We're like, okay, she was just riding the horses uh, on, on top of a, leading a horde and uh, things have changed. But she, this is still the Danny we like. Hair flowing down like, you know, uh, a lot of later season uh, Danny, you know, the hair, the wigs are all tied up. Uh, this one flowing free. We know she shouldn't be flowing and free because there's some things at work. This is the one she spends most of the time yelling, where are my dragons? Which is, an, I like how that plays off against this uh, pretty uh, light flowing dress here. So, it's a, and it's a dramatic change. She She's in earth tones. She's in dust and rock tones, quite frankly, until this dress. That's why it stands up. All right, then then, then uh, Kiki goes to, Kiki Evans goes to number five. This is the Westeros dress. This is the upon landing on Dragonstone. Same kind of cape chain, three-headed dragon thing. Same kind of dark colors. Simple. I've got confused the two. Um, this one apparently, this one over the previous one we were talking about has what looks like sparkles over it. I like that idea. Uh, the author uh, of this piece says this is a, could be a correlation either with salt, dragonstone, or with snow, winterfell. Intricate, intricate. I like that one. All right, then we go, then we go, then 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 we can go back a bit, a couple seasons to the royal white dress. That's what they have at number four, the royal white dress. This is. When she's sitting there, Marine taking in a lot of her uh, subjects, talking to them. Um, and one of the first times I can recall of her just sitting there in, in, in uh, white, um, very, I would call this a queenly dress. Not, I don't know if Cersei would wear this, but for Danny over in Essos, it's got a kind of a built in cape because you need a cape. And the cape thingy, I'm saying cape thingy. Um. Well, you know the 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 writer of this article says the cape like part on her back. So yes, um, it's uh, very it's scaled, and it's very easy to think that anything Danny would wear would have some kind of scale uh, aspect to it, reminding of uh, us uh, that she's a dragon. But this is so subtle; it's almost so subtle that you can overlook it. I like this dress a lot. This is the royal white dress, and. I like that a lot. Then we, uh, number three, this is the dark blue dress. This is the Misa dress. I like this one. I like this one because there's still some action to this one. She's got the high boots on, the arms exposed. Again, season one through three, Danny, a lot of arms exposed. All right. And real pure kind of simple looking dress. I like this one. The image of her being held up by <laughs> everyone, the slaves calling her Misa. I know it doesn't sit well with a lot of folks. I get it, but the dress is good. And this one became, it's, again, you talk about Dothraki Danny, the cosplayers. 
that was everywhere. You go to conventions, and during that time, you know, I was going to a lot more than I am now, and that was everywhere. And then I think by this one, this is this is the one I would then see the most is this dark blue dress. Then we go number two. They have another white dress. Ah, but this one we're watching. Uh, this is by the time that she's uh, married to uh, or hanging around with uh, Hisdar Zoa Lorak, watching the fighting pits. Um, no scales, uh, which is uh, an indication of her trying to get the people of Marine to respect her. It's a great point there from uh, the writer of this piece, Kiki Evans. Um, you know, she's not going to ditch everything entirely, but I like this idea. This is a good one. This has got she's got uh, heavy like uh, uh, jewelry, as described by um, it's a brooch that is like. Dragon driftwood carved dragon. I don't know. I'm so bad at this. I just see his door and I get mad though. I mean, I actually like his door. I just think, eh. even in the books, I, it, it, it plays out a lot differently. Obviously, I dislike but but like both versions. That makes sense. Let's we'll have a his door conversation another day. And then number one. All right. Oh, I agree with this choice. I just scrolled down. And I saw it. Recap, just to recap, we got Dothraki, Dragon Scale, Red Black Dress, Dragonstone Queen, I like that one, understand it, Light Blue, Westeros, Westeros Chic, Royal White Dress, I like that one, Dark Blue Dress, the world knows knows that one a lot, another White Dress, yes, at number two. Number one, yeah, this is the best one, Snow Queen. Man, this one's the best. Perfect for the cold weather. The white fur with kind of a, a little, it's like red underneath it. It's bubbling to the surface, perhaps. She's ready for battle, but still really fashionably chic. Plays well off of Jon Snow's dark fur threads. Oh, yeah, dour, stark Jon Snow Targaryen guy. Um, I, this is, this is my favorite Danny. This is, and it's, it's at the end. It's sad. It's sad, Danny. It's confused, Danny. It's angry, Danny. But what a piece. What just an intricate, intricate outfit. I love the, the, the white fur and then the interplay of the, the red Bubbling through the rage, the blood, the blood of the old Valyria, the blood of the dragon. Great big win. And then you take that one and you place it against season one, Danny. There you have quite a journey. Quite a journey. Oh, Daenerys Targaryen, the lessons we've learned, the tears we've shed, and the frustration we've experienced. Oh, we're not done talking about Daenerys Targaryen here. Absolutely not. A lot to be learned, I think. That's an interesting article. I hope you don't, I hope you don't mind that journey I took. I normally don't click on those listicles, but hey. Danny, pay our respects to Danny's outfits. Let's take this call from our good friend, Eric Monroe. Hey, Cannon Cash Really Talk. So I really loved Billy's call in response to Mark about... um. 
Gendry joining tonight's watch to have more stuff with John. But there's a point I think maybe a lot of people aren't thinking about, and that is what happens when Stannis shows up at the wall with Melisandre and Ser Davos, and Gendry is there. They go, oh, there he is, and they try to sacrifice him. You know, Gendry's now a member of the night's watch. Does Gendry see them immediately and just try to take off? As you've pointed out, Ken, he's a very fast runner. Does he just get out of Dodge, but which would be punishable by death if he was caught. But does, but I think maybe, you know, does Stannis bring him with him on his march to Winterfell and maybe Gendry's the one who was sacrificed and not Shireen. And maybe House Baratheon ends up surviving in Shireen because maybe she would have lived. So what do you think? What do I think? I think, Eric, this is a great point. This is a great point. So we've been having this conversation to, to trace it for those... Um, for those who, who haven't uh, been catching up here in the last couple of episodes, uh, I think we got a call from our friend Mark at Mark Talk. Uh, he, he said, hey, you know, uh, what if uh, Gendry, you know, what, what, what if we got more with Gendry and Jon Snow? You know, we, we, we got some juicy little morsels. And I think Gendry's place in the story definitely has more to do with Arya. We get that. But hey, it's a son of Robert Baratheon. What we thought at the time was the son of Ned Stark. What we all knew was the son of Rhaegar. Even then, there's a lot of connections. Robert and Rhaegar have some heat, have some history. Ned and Robert definitely have some history. So to have their uh, offspring or, uh, you know, adopted son, so to speak, if you will, it'd be good to have more. And then Billy uh, put the idea of, like, what if we Gendry went more to the Night's Watch? Instead of hiding in plain sight down there in King's Landing, what if he'd gone up to the Watch and... What would that give us? So I, I, we talked about that, but I love this idea. Yeah, what, Stannis shows up. So if Gendry's up there, Stannis shows up. I mean, does he run to Eastwatch? You're right, and, and Eric's right. He he can't run, can't desert for the Night's Watch. Does he? Does he approach Stannis in a different way? Hey, hi. You were going to kill me. Uh, I'm up here now. Uh, how do we feel about that? Does he try to make peace? What does Melisandre, does she care anymore? Melisandre gets to the wall and immediately we know there's something going on in her mind about Jon Snow. The focus has shifted. The focus has left Stannis. Her, And I don't necessarily think she ditched Stannis. I would love to get into the conversation some other time about how much Melisandre was right about Stannis or felt she was right or making it up to convince herself or using him for some other means or was like, he, oh, I saw some things the wrong way because there's some things she saw happening that are very true. So how much of it was she believed in Stannis gets to the wall. Oops, something's not, maybe I was wrong. It's this Jon Snow guy or, or whatnot. But so does she even care as much the sacrifice of Gendry, and then later on, the sacrifice of Shireen are done for the benefit of Stannis, are done to benefit her belief and support her belief in Stannis. Now, she still sacrifices Shireen after Jon Snow shows up on the scene, right? This we know, right? I'm trying to play that in my head. But Did she sacrifice Shireen because couldn't do it with Gendry? Makes sense. 
Does Jon Snow get involved? Oh, hell yeah, he does. I think that is where the big conflict comes. So, hey, you've got someone we need here. Uh, this is Gendry. He's the bastard son of Robert. John, we're going to need to take him. Why? Well, we got to kill him. It's not going to come out that clear. But I think once John learns, there's no way John lets that happen. Especially in honor of the connection between Ned and Robert. Be an interesting conflict. Now, if Gendry was sacrificed, would uh, Shireen still be alive? Yeah, probably. Oh, poor Gendry. But I think he'd run away again. So that's a nice wrinkle that Eric has added to our big what if. What if Gendry goes to the wall, gets to spend a little more time with John, and then Stannis shows up. Dark day. Gendry's life. I think a lot would change. I think he would try to run. I think maybe John would help him. Help him break his vows? I think John at that point would. But then John's got his own things to worry about. Like, you know, dying. This is what I love about what ifs. We don't have the answers. We don't know. It's been a lot of fun talking with you all here today on Casterly Talk. You want to support the show, you can do so directly here on Anchor. Call in. Tell me something you're thankful for. The holiday season's still going on, so we're all still going to be thankful. It doesn't have to be around Thanksgiving. You have some thoughts on Daenerys dresses? Yeah, I want to hear them. Follow me on Twitter at Ken Napsack. Go to KenNapsack.com for information on all things like my book, Why We Love Star Wars, live events coming up, holiday shopping. You want a Star Wars book for a Star Wars fan of your family? Check it out. Audiobook available as well. Use hashtag Castly Talk at any point when you want to join this conversation. We'll see you. Think about it. What is your favorite look of Daenerys Targaryen? All hail. All hail the Great Queen. See you next time on Castly Talk. <laughs>